This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, Professor Ward Scott here in the, well, usually it would be the Melon Law Studio inside the Manly Warthog Man Cave, but today we're in the Steve Spurrier Podcast Studio here at Steve Spurrier's Restaurant where we broadcast live and we have our guest here today because we thought it'd be a great show for you to tune in and listen to. Really, we're trying to set the record straight on what's going on with the canine world. I've got a friend here who really knows the canine world inside out. Now, remember, we're brought to you by Melvin Law and Crime Prevention, which is our security system, which protects us 24-7, 365. This whole issue of the canine dogs has become a, quite a hot topic in the city of Gainesville. You have to realize there are actually two canine units, as I understand it. If I'm wrong, my guests will correct me. There is the canine unit that Gainesville Police Department has, and there is the canine unit that Alachua County Sheriff's Office has. But let's face it, a canine unit is a canine unit. Lots of times it comes down to who governs the canine unit. And what you've seen going on in Gainesville is political interference with the canine unit. It's pure and simple. That's what it is. It has become a topic for contention because, let me help this uh, set this up. It's become a topic for contention because of the political intrusion, if you will, into the actual uh, canine unit world, which is its own uh, operation, its own training, its own professionals. And so we've got a lot of interest in this subject, judging from the re, uh, Facebook, Facebook re, uh feedback we've seen, I'm going to introduce my guest, Whitney Burnett, who was, let, I'm going to let him tell you how long he was in charge of the canine unit for Alachua County Sheriff's Office. So he knows this world inside out. He's retired now, but he still uh, is active in terms of the community and what's going on in it. We've been watching together since we're also personal friends. We've been watching together all this discourse about the canines. We thought we'd set it straight. I've been looking forward to this show for a long time. I'm going to learn myself. I don't know a lot about the canine units, but I love the dogs. I'm uh, fascinated by their ability and their training. And we've shared a lot of conversations about our mutual love and respect for dogs when they're well-behaved and well-trained. So, Whitney, thanks for coming on today. My pleasure. Um, he's um, got all kinds of experience here. We've got a couple of pictures, I think, somewhere. Do we have those pictures available for the audience to see? of his canine unit in 1996, and we're going to let him talk about why that was important and also uh, the, the whole story behind how that picture came to be taken and why it was so important. So, um, Whitney, what's going on if your past relationship with, first of all, police work and then how you got into this special kind of niche in the police world? Well, as far as uh, canine, I started my career back in 1983, and uh, I spent most of my time in special operations, which the narcotics unit, which I worked in, and I was a commander for the last eight years of my career. And the canine unit also fell within the Special Operations Bureau. And in 1994, um, I was transferred as a sergeant to supervise the Latch County Sheriff's Office canine unit. I was there till approximately 2005, roughly, give or take a year. So you were there for a good decade. Yes. So what did you learn during that decade as you got into this whole world of uh, special ops, really, isn't it? Special yeah, operations. Well, yeah, because yeah. we did a lot of work with the SWAT team. I had the first bomb dog, uh, one of the first bomb dogs in North Central Florida um, in the early 90s. Um, I had a dual purpose dog. He was a bomb dog in addition to an apprehension dog. All our dogs at the sheriff's office were apprehension dogs. 
you know, finding people, lost kids, suspects, building searches, that kind of stuff. And either they were cross-trained as an explosive detection dog, which I had one. We had another handler that had a bomb dog, and the other ones were cross-trained in narcotics detection. So, Well, I'm sure you've got a lot of stories about those days. Oh, yeah. And how did that proceed? Got a lot of scars, too. You got a lot bit. of scars? <laughs> well, let's, let's get right into the whole idea here that the canine dog should be done away with. Do you have an argument to refute that? Yeah, it doesn't need to happen. Um, you know, the dogs are a useful tool. Um, they save lives, they protect the officers, and it's just a necessary tool that needs to be available for the patrol officers that are out there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Well, tell me how they're a tool. What do they do? I mean, how, how are they, when you say a tool, we won't know that. How do you use a, uh, I know what a tool is if it's a wrench, but what, how, how's he a tool? <laughs> well, we use them for their nose. They're, they're, okay, they're, so he's got a specialty. He's got a nose, Yeah, right? he's got olfactory senses that's, you know, a hundred times, thousands of times more powerful than what you and I have. <laughs> and they can detect people. They can find drugs. They can find explosives. And uh, whether it's in a building or in a car or in the woods, uh, they're there to, to help us and, and uh, to keep the officers safe and to keep the public safe. Well, how long does it take to get a puppy up to where he can do that with any kind of reliability? Well, we, we were talking about that before we went on the show. How do you take a dog and make him behave to begin with? And, uh, and then how do you take a dog and have him behave at this level of behavior with this specialty training for this special need? Well, we have a selection process on how we select a dog. Um, once that determination is made, we purchase a dog. And these dogs are not cheap. They're anywhere from four to... I don't know, when I was doing it, four to $6,000 untrained. Um, and then you purchase... Let's talk about that. Why is that dog, is there a preferred breed? The majority of them are, are German Shepherds or Belgian Malinois, but you want to look at the, the history of the pedigree for the dog that you're selecting. Um, you want to avoid, you know, health issues with, you know, hip dysplasia and elbows and, and, and other factors. And... Um, it's a big market. It went really crazy after 9-11 uh, because the, the, the good quality dogs that we were purchasing from Europe at the time, you know, most of the dogs we were getting were from Germany, Czechoslovakia, whatnot. Voltrain, the breeding practices over there are very stringent. If you have a bad litter, that's it for that, that, that line. Um, and then the good quality dogs. But the problem was after 9-11, they were staying over in Europe. And the ones you got here in the United States, they just got, you know, cost prohibitive. I mean, they were expensive. So you had to be careful, but you want to have a good quality dog. Then once you select the dog, place them with a the handler. I had a 16 week curriculum for training the handler and the dog and the, the state of Florida. So you trained the trainers? I trained the handlers. Handlers? Yes. Yes. Okay. Let me hear more about that. That's interesting. So, and I, I believe the state of Florida requires, I think, I, I, don't hold me to it. It's either 12 or 14 week. I had a 16 week curriculum. And if we had to go longer, we'd do it. I mean, I, the sheriff gave me a lot of latitude. And I mean, I wanted to make sure the dog, the handler, was squared away before they were deployed out in the road in, in Uniform Patrol Division. So, Did you have any rejects? Washed out, I think, one dog. One dog. So you have, out of how many dogs? Is that a pretty good percentage? We had nine, I think, when I, took, when I went to the unit. And I... I did two classes during my 10 years, and um, yeah, I'd say, what did we do, five dogs maybe total before I got promoted? And, and how long is a dog's the, life useful for what he does with you? We normally purchase a dog around 18 months to two years because you want to have him fully developed so you can um, look at the hips and the elbows, make sure there's not any health issues and, and things like that. Normally, when they get around eight, nine, you start watching them because these dogs go through a tremendous amount of training, you know, in and out of the patrol cars and constant tracking, the heat of Florida. There's a lot of factors that go into to these dogs. And, you know, you want to watch them. When you start seeing ailments, then you start scaling them back and make um, projections, you know, budgets. You got to get that in the budget and say, hey, Sheriff, next year I need to replace these two dogs. This is what's going to cost. You know, all that has to be in, taken into consideration to maintain the adequate staffing of the canine unit. We had nine dogs at the sheriff's office. They were deployed on every shift, and we had an overlap shift where we had more dogs working 
in the evenings than we did during the regular daytime. That makes sense. How many staff? You know, we know in football, for example, the story on the present coach is he's got as many staff members as he does players. So <laughs> I, I, I saw that picture. He's yeah, got a lot of people. There. Yeah, he's got a lot of people. So what kind of staff does it require? Uh, and this seems like an Achilles heel where the people who are anti-dog would start hollering about budget. Um, you know, I know times have changed since you were in charge of all this because we've become much more politicized here. I think, anyway. Did you have any political intrusions in your use of dogs in your era? No. 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 In fact, the, we received a lot of donations from private industry. My dog, the first, the Vorst, the bomb dog, he was purchased by CSX Railroad out of Jacksonville. Um, and, and then they donated to the Sheriff's Department. And then they donated to the Sheriff. Boss Hart Realty, they bought a dog and donated it to the Sheriff's Office. It was Boss. Wayne Sullivan was the canine uh, handler. We have... A lot of um, businesses that support the canine unit and make donations for the purchase of these dogs. And again, these dogs are very expensive. Is that still the case, you think? That I don't know. I've been out for quite yeah. a while. That's interesting. So the private world buys the dogs and donates them to the, in your era, uh, to the Sheriff's Department. And you were the Sheriff's Department, not GPD. Let's talk about that. What was the relationship then of GPD dogs? I'm assuming they have dogs in their own. They have a very good unit. I did a lot of training with them. They were well supervised back in my day. It was Larry Seal. Um, Don Sareth was still working in another capacity. I reached out to him uh, many times. Don was a longtime canine supervisor for Gainesville Police Department. Um, they're they're well-trained, uh, well-qualified. They know what they're doing. So it's safe to say that the dog canine units are with GPD and ASO. We do have other police departments, but they don't have, does Alacho, I wonder, have a canine unit? They did at my time. Yeah. Um, the University of Florida's got some bomb dogs. Oh, yeah. I University do know that. You'll see them at the football games and baseball games yeah. um, doing their searches. I think they have three or four. Um, I helped them, the UPD, start their canine program um, when Scott Summers was the first handler over there. And... Um, Got their program off the ground. They've they've expanded it to I don't know. I think they got two or three, maybe four dogs total. How does a you, you keep I hear you saying bomb dog and then uh, how does a dog become both a bomb dog and what's the other terminology for him? Patrol, Patrol apprehension, yeah, whatever. apprehension. Not every dog I assume has those dual roles, or every dog does. Every no, every canine no. dog is not a bomb dog. Correct, because you want a bomb dog that's a little more level-headed or just low-key to a certain extent because you're taking them in, you know, airports and buildings and people and, and you know, uh, to, to look for, you know, explosive devices or odors or whatever that could be involved with uh, an you know, explosive device. You talked about when uh, some of the, well, vice presidents and presidents and people that have come to Gainesville, mm -hmm. Your role was to go out there with the bomb dog and take sure, make sure that that place was safe, right? Correct. All the luggage got unloaded off the... It was Dick Cheney who uh, flew into uh, Ocala. It was me in Ocala uh, or the Marion County Sheriff's Office, and uh, we, we did searches down there, all the luggage and everything, and that's just the protocols um, for, for vice presidents. You know, the engines are still running on the, on the jets, you know, that's hard to train. You know, how do you prepare your dog to go out oh, there? Oh, your with dog these? goes out there and is, not, and is oblivious to yeah, that. Yeah, it's a little different. So, you know, you you got to have a good relationship with your dog and you got to work with them and, you know, get the, the job done. So it was a little different task. We're talking with Whitney Burnett, who really uh, is retired now, but has a lot of experience and started a lot of these canine units or participated in some of the training of the canine units. And we uh, now continually have, of course, need for canine units. I'm um, looking at the chat here once in a while. And if you have a question, I'll look at it here on my phone and see if you got one, and we'll, uh, we'll take it up. But um, basically what we're doing is laying the groundwork for a discussion about the necessity for canine dogs, which has become a political issue, which didn't exist in Whitney's day. I didn't think it did. I wonder when it did become politicized. I couldn't, I couldn't give you a specific date. I know, but I think it's... I think it's well, let's face it, it's when the race card was played. I mean, basically, that's the complaint. Yeah. Basically, the complaint now is that the dog is biased or that the dog is over-violent. How, how do you respond to that? He has, no, he has no prejudice, does he? No, the dog, I mean... The dog's a dog. If you're referring to the Bradley incident, I mean, 
it was a dog and the handler did exactly as they were trained to do. Um, you know, Bradley had made the decision to run. Um, he made the decision to hide. Um, my understanding, the officers were within seven to eight yards on the other side of the bushes where Bradley was hunkered down, waiting for the canine officer to get there. And the, the officer went in there on the track and boom, found him real quick. Um, it's unfortunate that he sustained the injury he did. As Don Sareth presented to the city commission at that meeting they had two weeks ago, it was an accident. It happened. Um, it was just a, a freak, freak thing. And I would assume that if you don't comply with the dog, the dog is going to up his. Yeah, the dogs are to appertain. If the you dogs comply are with the, the dog, do well, that's another deal, right? Correct. Right. Yeah. Because the dog is an extension of the police force, and if you comply in the first place, then the dog never goes, right? That's correct. And, yeah. uh, and, and what, what, what's that. not presented in the media is, is the many, many times that the dog is deployed um, and the suspect gives up. You know, you have, you have someone breaks into a house, we have a perimeter, the bad guy's still in the house, you get the dog out, the handler goes to the front door, he's got adequate backup. He makes the announcement, you know, sheriff's office, canine unit. If you're in the building, you better come out. If not, a dog's going to be sent in. And most of the time, they comply. And, you know, they hear that dog barking. They think, okay, you know, the dog's out there. He's going to come get me if I don't come out. And they comply. And, and you, we're, we're not reading about all this apprehension. That's an apprehension without a bite, which is just as crucial to track as, it, as the ones where there is an injury. And like I said, the majority of times people comply. Majority uh, percentage is a very high percentage of, I won't say successful uh, apprehensions, but um, safe, effective apprehensions, right? Yes. Yeah. Now, what happens if um, uh, you get a dog that, um, can a dog become have a change of personality in midstream or have these dogs pretty much who they are from the time you get them to the end and for the most part they can have you know i've read situations and, and talked to other handlers with other departments where a dog can have a bad experience a dog can be affected by the bad experience can have a bad experience and then can shut down doesn't work right whatever and then that's you either send them back to training to see if you can correct it or you you retire the dog and find another one that's and very, very rare. Very rare. And I do know there are instances from having talked to other dog handlers that there are instances where the dogs are shot by the suspect. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've had it here in Gainesville. Yeah. What's that, what, what was that all about? Do you remember? When well, I know, I know Pruitt was Gainesville police officer, canine handler, great handler. I think it was Giroux, it was his dog, went in and did basically a building search, I believe, over, uh, it was in the city, I want to say right over near City Hall, don't hold me to that. And um, he deployed the dog and then the suspect was armed, shot the dog. Um, during my term, Robert John had a, his dog, he, he got involved in a shooting up in Alachua. Um, you know, we don't take dogs to gunfights, you know, because the dog's gonna lose if we know the suspect's armed. So that's another part of the tactics. When you're a canine handler, you have to have good tactics, good common sense, because the chances of being assaulted as a canine handler goes up 30% compared to the regular street officer because the canine handlers are going to the majority of the bad calls. They're going to the robberies, the stabbings, the rapes, stolen vehicles, the fights. Um, and, and that's what you want in handling. You want to have a good handler that's in good shape, has good tactics, that's proactive, and know that when he gets in these bad situations and things can turn on a dime, real quick and, and knows how to get, handle the situation, de-escalate it if he can and uh, utilize the dog appropriately. Well, you know, it's, we've been talking about the selection of the dog. I suspect there's a great deal of selection of the handler. Yes, they go through a physical, what we did, we had a written test covering the use of force policy, the use of force continuum, the um, Supreme Court state you know, statutes or laws um, we had a PT test. They had to run a mile and a half. They had to put on a bite suit. They had to work with the dog. Uh, they had an oral board. And then we, one of the things we made them do is go through a, a tracking exercise. We'd lay a track 
to a heavily wooded area through waters and whatnot just to see how they handle themselves and we did it mostly at night to see if they knew you know where they're at the location because they didn't know where they were going we just put them in the car and said meet us at this spot and here's x you need to wind up you know two miles three miles down over here and to see how they handle themselves going through the weeds and the, the vines and the trees and whatnot and see if they got disoriented or you know you know i've had people say this ain't for me and mm -hmm. that was it you know so the selection of the handler is very critical interesting because the handler and the dog become a one and the same in many ways when they arrive at the situation that's correct and, and uh, plus you have to have the handler the handler's in charge of the dog he has to take care of the dog the dog lives at home and that's it's, one it's, of the a, things it's a big me. responsibility. Well, that's one thing that's always <clears throat> interesting me. Here's this dog, and he goes home and plays with your kids, right? Yep. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. I used to take my dog, Steve Ulrich, Sheriff Ulrich. Um, he, every month, we used to go to Shands Hospital at the pediatrics ward. Um, yeah, I want to talk about that because Whitney said before we went on the air that one of the very important things to do with the dogs is to let the community understand them and know them and meet them. And the picture we have, maybe we'll show it again, of Whitney at the... Uh, 1996 national championship uh, <laughs> what was that you had a reason for doing that uh, right we put that up there again well i had the first bomb dog and that's you'll see that i'm i'm kneeling in the front and then uh, sean davini you had the first bomb dog that's right okay the bomb Sh dog sean yeah. and and, and <clears throat> the university of florida you know we, we had to search the stadium make sure there wasn't anything you know suspicious there we i go in there friday night lock everything down and then Saturday, five hours before the game, we'd get there and, and, and we'd search everything. I mean, everything. Ticket office, UAA offices. There's a lot of rooms in that stadium that people just don't know about. Oh, I'll bet. Yeah. Um, so when we won the championship, I said, let's have a group photo. And uh, someone said, let's do it at Florida Field. I said, that'd be perfect. And they just put the, <laughs> the national championship yeah. banner. And uh, that's what we did. So your point about that is... You have to have public relations with this unit. We have to. If not, how are we going to get people like Boss Art Realty to donate money to buy a dog? How are we going to get money from CSX Railroad to buy a dog? Um, the, I can't think of the other companies, but nine times out of ten, the money to, for the initial purchase of the dog comes from the community. Same with GPD. Well, that's Gainesville not Health and Fitness. Not, Gainesville yeah. Health and Fitness. Joe Cirilli. He bought a dog. For uh, GPD, so now once you once you make the initial purchase, then you know there, there's a continuing expense for the dog. I mean, you, you know, the food, the vet bills, and you know all that stuff. You know, that's, that's got to be factored in the budget. But the initial purchase of the majority of canines for GPD and ASO come from community donations. So you went back out into the community and you took your dogs. We we're saying on the break here before we went on the air. Two places like the hospital and places mm -hmm. like that. How Schools. We did demos for you know all you know, October when you have all these walks. You know, breast cancer awareness, Alzheimer's Association at Westside Park. Every year they call me up. Can we have a canine demonstration? We go out there do a demonstration, talk to the public, and uh, you know it, 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 it's a two-way street. Yeah, yeah. Any questions you got? We'll look on the chat line here. We're about ten minutes away from our bottom of the hour break. We're talking with Whitney Burnett, who is. Uh, Retired now from the Alachua County Sheriff's Office and really was involved with bomb dogs, canine dogs um, uh, before, I have to say, before the issue became politicized. And now we're trying to diffuse the myth that there's some sort of built-in violence associated with a dog that could be handled some other way. That's the, that's the nitty-gritty right there. That if you did, a, you don't need the dog. You see, that's the argument that's coming out now. You don't need the dog. Can't the human being go do what the dog did and have better judgment than the dog? You want to address that? You're putting, you're putting the officers' lives in danger. Yeah. Um, I mean, do how I does the officer know what Bradley's got for a weapon you hiding don't. in the bushes? You, you don't. You don't. You don't. You don't. Yeah. You know, they just had there was an apprehension that GPD made uh, was in the paper. They found a guy in a building. I think it was last week. I read that. You know. Do you want to go in there and search a building with another officer, or do you want to send your dog in there, you know? Because, you know, when they're hiding in the building, whether it's in a closet or in a bedroom or whatnot, you know, the dog and the door's shut, you know, the, the dog's going to take a sniff underneath that door, and he smells somebody, he's going to start barking up a storm. Then you go in there, and you pretty much are sure that 
suspects behind door, you know, this door. And then you grab your dog and you make another announcement, say, hey, I know you're in here. Come out. If not, I'm going to cut the dog loose. And if you come, you know, like I said, nine times out of ten, they comply. And if they don't, then you send the dog in there and the dog will find them. Any dog besides the German Shepherd ever used? I've seen beside the Belgian dog, of course. Uh, is there another dog that occasionally? Because I'm where I'm going. I had a Rottweiler one time that was a big dog, and Whitney knew him, and uh, <laughs> and uh, he was he was a handful. And I was told by GPD when I asked for help in training him because uh, this is the story behind the story here. And I took him to GPD trainers and said, can you help me train the dog? And we trained him where he was uh, controllable and very manageable, provided, you know, you had a relationship with him, which he understood, you know, who you were and mm -hmm. that you were his handler. Um, and he was, he was a Rottweiler. He was about 120 pounds. And I was told by the guys that uh, trained him at the police department that if you don't want him, we'll take him. <laughs> and uh, I asked him about if, whether or not he was a bad dog and they said, no, he's a dominant dog. And I suppose there's something to that. If a dog is going to go into a building and pursue somebody, mm -hmm. he's going to have to have in his personality, if you will. And I'm, I'm supposing they're all males, by the way. Are they females? It's hard to get females because if you have a good female, they want to breed them. Yeah. Okay. So you'd say that these are mostly male dogs. And they go in there and they're not going to be deterred, right? Anything back them off? They shouldn't. Yeah. But, you know, I've seen it, you know, as far as the evaluation of the dog. You know, some dogs do not like slick floors. So you go to a university or you go, let's say, you know, uh, one of the middle schools gets broken into. Let's say they're in the cafeteria. You know, some dogs just go in there and they see these shiny, slick floors and they just kind of, you know, <laughs> they're walking on their toenails. You know, they kind of wig out. That's part of the evaluation process before you purchase a dog. Um, but, you know, it's, 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 it's just, it's repetition and it's a conditioning process to, to get the dogs to perform how you want them to, to perform. Got a couple of questions here, but we'll probably take them up after the break we're coming up on. We've got a question coming up. Can the canine be retrained for private use with kids? Um, uh, I'm assuming retrained. Uh, I don't believe you retrain them, do you? You just When they're retired? Them. Yeah. When we retire dogs, the handler keeps the dogs they sign a release they release the sheriff or the city of any liability and the dog goes back home with the handler and the handler if he stays on the unit he gets another dog and you know starts the process all over again so you know you cannot there, there's some legalities if you had a fully trained police dog and let's say i retired my dog and i wanted to give him to you then you can't do that because if something happens um, to you or somebody, you know, at your house, you know, comes back to the apartment, so. That's interesting. Once the police dog, always a police dog, even if he's retired, he stays with the person with whom he worked. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And fortunately, I never had an incident where our handler said, I don't want him anymore. I don't know what the department is. Do we put the dog down? I, wow. you know, I've never had that incident happen. I've never heard of GPD having that situation pop up. Most, yeah, I mean, handlers want to keep the dog, let the dog have a, what's left of his lifetime in retirement at the house and, and uh, you know, go from there. Tommy me, Whitney Burnett, we're going to take a break at the bottom of the hour. We're going back with a little bit of the weather, and it looks a pleasant day. I don't have anything bad to report, really. It's one of those really great uh, fall days, late fall days we have here in uh, the piney woods of north central Florida in God's country. And I, what I think of, you want, you got any painting to do outside, now's the time to do it because uh, you're not going to have any intrusion from the rain and uh, you ought to be able to get out there and work outside so we'll come back in a moment on the ward scott files stay tuned although the owner of lewis oil company maintains she is 29 lewis oil turns 60 years old in june chevron would like to recognize the north florida second generation family-owned business celebrating its growth and staying power lewis oil company maintains significant on-hand supplies strategically located fuel depots a delivery fleet on-site service fuel card locks and convenience stores lewis oil company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott. 
And I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Back to the Word Scott Files here, and thanks to Lewis Oil for providing us with an opportunity to give you the latest on the weather report, which is really rather cheerful today. 63 degrees. I'm looking at AccuWeather here. We have several apps on the uh, uh, phones here that we check, and they're all coming up the same. It's going to be about 80 degrees today. That's remarkable, don't you think, uh, for 80 degrees going into the month of December? But I can remember days when we played uh, uh, outdoors, touch football and things, and in Christmas Day, and it was 90, 85 degrees. It was amazing here in Florida. And at the same time, I've seen snow, I believe, on I-75 about this same time of year, a couple of weeks from here. Uh, occasionally, it does happen. So... Right now, we're betwixt and between. We're enjoying nice weather. We have uh, 80 degrees today, a tonight to 59 degrees, 81 degrees tomorrow. Um, you know, unfortunately, though, the grass is not growing because it grows at night. Uh, only if it dips below 70, it stops growing. So we're still going to be committed to hauling uh, the hay. And as I've said before, those of us in the rural community who are involved with hay and cattle know that the price of the hay has doubled, but the price of the cattle hasn't. So... That's the pinch you're feeling, and sometimes you can drive up 241 and see these rolls of hay in the field. Let me tell you something about those rolls of hay in the field. When you look at them, you're looking at about 60 bucks a piece retail. Hmm. So count the numbers of rolls you see and multiply that by 60, and you'll see in that field is a lot of money, a lot of money. But guess what? In that field is still not enough hay because the fields are fewer and fewer. The fields that remain are more and more important. So keep that in mind because um, I don't think people understand the value they're looking at at the land when they walk by it and compare compare it to how it might be used for commercial use, for example. People want to change it to residential or commercial, but you have to understand that what it grows is also very, very valuable as well. And we feel that pinch, those of us who have to have that symbiotic relationship between the land and the animals. And we're actually talking about animals today and how important they are in our lives. In this case, we're speaking about the canine units, which uh, really protect the officers um, from being maimed, uh, in some cases, very, very badly. So uh, they are a necessary part of compliance because if one complies we don't have a need for them but we know there's more and more it seems anyway to those of us pedestrians of people who don't comply and there are more and more dangerous people out on the street that have been slapped on the wrist if you will by the judicial system uh, as a board member of crime stoppers i see this regularly 
when we have people come to us with tips and rewards, uh, we in invariably see someone who has been in trouble with the law repeatedly, 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 and is a convicted, quote unquote, convicted felon. And you have to understand that that is no small accomplishment to become a, quote, bona fide convicted felon. You have to work at it because you get adjudication withheld, do you not? You get, uh, well, pay the fine and we'll let it go. And you finally have to reach a, a place where you're just regarded as a bad guy. And that bad guy, for some people, is a, is a Monica worn proudly. And that's where we get in uh, our conversation today with our uh, Whitney Burnett, who handled not only dogs for apprehension, but dogs for bombs as well. And we don't realize that when we go into some of these buildings uh, and take it for granted that it's safe, that before you ever were allowed to go in that building was a big sweep of that building by uh, a trained people, dogs and handlers, to go through every nook and cranny. Because the world we're living in is, it seems, increasingly vulnerable to chaos and violence. So I'm going to take back up the conversation with my good friend here, Whitney Burnett. If you have any issues or questions, I'll be watching the chat line. But uh, this is the way it's working today in this life. And we're going to try to dispel this hour um, the, the, the notion that has been politicized that these dogs are not necessary, um, that there's something about them as extraordinarily violent and it shouldn't be the case. Whitney, there's never enough discussion in my world anyway of the responsibility of the victim on behaving. Um, have you seen anything change in your career about that? I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but it seems there's more and more of that than there's ever been. Yeah, I think it's increased a lot, but you have to understand the, the victim, as you said, or the suspects um, in, in relation to the canine, they're the ones who make the decision whether or not the dog's going to find them and the potential of them being injured uh, by the dog. Um, you know. The handlers are trained to make announcements. The handlers are trained on the use of force as to when to deploy the dogs. And the suspects are the ones that determine whether or not the, the canine is going to be utilized to apprehend them. Plain and simple. We uh, are talking about the overlap between um, bomb dogs and apprehension dogs. And some dogs are both dogs in one. Um, I know I've seen Whitney... <laughs> I have to tell the story. Um, there was a house in my neighborhood one time and had oh, something in it that was suspicious. And I looked down at the end of the block. That whole block was blocked off. And uh, I see this figure crawling into the house in some kind of suit. <laughs> it was a bomb suit. In a bomb suit. And you didn't have a dog with you, as I remember. Uh -uh. No, no, I knew it was an explosive. So <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't need a dog to go in there and tell me today, hey, yeah, that's bad stuff. Don't stay away. No. So I looked down at the end of the street and I said, oh my God, is that Whitney in that suit? And uh, so they had that whole block. Uh, I guess what was there could have blown up the block. But uh, what did you do when you went in there? You recognized what it was. Yeah, oh, it, was dynam it was dynamite. It was dynamite? Yeah, it was. What was it, yeah, it, was what was it doing there? I, he had it, was deteriorated. The safest thing to do with dynamite is to put diesel fuel on it, ignite it, let it burn. Okay, I'm not going to burn the whole house down. So we roped it, and I went in there with a suit. I attached a clamp to it, and roped it out through the doors and got it out in the middle of the street. You saw me. We made a dam, you know. Well, Channel so, 20 was covering it and everything. Yeah, I had the fire department. It was a mess. I had the whole street blocked up. Yeah. It, was, it was a nightmare. Um, How did you get the tip that was dynamite in there? Where would that come from? I God, that was so long ago, I don't remember. Nothing another day at the office, right? Yeah, so we poured diesel fuel on it. We lit it on fire. We, you, know, you were out there. I was talking to you by this time. You know, We sat there and watched it burn for 30 minutes. And once it was done, I was out of there. So. <laughs> was, it, I get, was it some old guy had dynamite from? Something like that. Yeah. Right there. What was that? 38th Drive or something like 35th that? 35th Terrace. Yeah, yeah, 35th Terrace. Down the first block of 35th Terrace, yeah. which is Woodland Terrace. Yeah. And off of Newberry Road. And I don't know how it happened, but all of a sudden, um, everything was changed. We had... Couldn't go out of our house. We couldn't get down the street. You know, we didn't know whether the whole end of the block was going to blow up or what. And um, it was uh, it was kind of interesting because it turned out it was Whitney in the suit. And, 
going in there. I want to talk to you a little bit about that bomb training you went through. Because once upon a time, you told me you went to Fort Benning, a bunch of places. Talk about all that, that you, all the training that you had. Not only with the dogs, but you had the training with the bomb detection, right? As a bomb tech, yes. I bomb went to tech. Huntsville, Alabama, trained at the FBI, Hazardous Device School. Um, it's a curriculum. It's now six weeks. When I went, it was four weeks. And then I had to go back for a week for a WMD, Weapons of Mass Destruction, training. And then I had to go back for another week for robotics because robots were now becoming an integral part of the um, – bomb squads um, so and then every three years I had to go back and get recertified with the FBI and um, I did a lot of training and a little bit of teaching I've been to a lot of military bases um, throughout the southeast all the way up to the Pentagon I did some tabletop exercise up there for a conference with ATF um, but you know Eglin Patrick I mean everywhere Brunswick you know Atlanta Dobbins every, you know been all over the place training and part of it was because i was also a handler with a bomb dog and i was one of the early bomb dog handlers in north florida i think jacksonville had a few some of the feds had a couple the next closest one was down in orlando which was probably in the orange county sheriff's office and it was it was the the norm at the it was it was the thing at the time back in the early 90s and again i got my our dog in 94 that agencies realize that the need is out there for explosive detection dogs. And it's not that easy because you have to have access to explosives to train these dogs and to continue to maintain them. To C4, deck cord, um, you know, black powder, smokeless powder, all the powders which are, you know, used in explosive devices here in the United States. And you just don't give the, the handler a key and say, here, here you go, you know. Um, you, you have to be careful. So it was easy for my agency because one i was a bomb tech certified through the fbi and in the military the fbi has a school up there in huntsville that's also with the army eod folks and it's, it's a beautiful facility uh probably best school i've ever been to um and you know you have to have access to the training aids to maintain your dog so you know it kind of killed two birds with one stone well well I know we take for granted, one of the things I've learned as I've gotten a little bit older is the assumptions we have that everything's going to continue as normal. And, you know, we know that those assumptions are just that. They're assumptions. And I'm fascinated by the assumptions that we have that when we enter a building, it's just automatically safe. Because um, I know that uh, that University of Florida, for example, it's been thoroughly searched. It's an opportunity to blow a lot of things up and have a lot of damage, draw a lot of attention. Uh, I suppose the biggest one that's received the most attention uh, in my lifetime was the fertilizer with McVeigh. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean that was that was a pretty serious deal to handle. Back in wasn't that in the eighties? Uh, Oklahoma City, yeah, maybe late eighties, ninety. But um, I was privileged to work with um, Dr. Musdays. Um, was it Greg McGarrity, the assistant athletic director here under Jeremy, who went to Georgia? Might have been. And we, we revamped the disaster preparedness plan for the swamp, for Florida Field, because we upgraded a lot of it. Um, Based on McVeigh? That, um, just the whole terrorism, the fertilizer bombs, um, you know, for example, who had the authority to evacuate Florida Field? Right. You know? President of the university, you know, then the chief of police said, well, I have the authority, you know, then this is UAA facility, so the athletic director, yeah, we, you know, so we, we had to clean that up, we, we, you know, we had to have a rank structure, command structure to deal with events like that, um, and, we, and, and we did, and, and we toured other facilities, Auburn, I think, they were way ahead of the game, and we, we got that done. What the University of Florida has also done is expanded their canine unit from one dog, like I said earlier, to like three dogs. If you go to a baseball game, you're going to see them there. If you go to a softball game, you're going to see them there. You go to a football game, you're going to see the UPD guys, canine guys around, and you'll see them patrolling the campus. Something happens, the same with the Odo and basketball games. They're deployed on all the special events. It's just part of their routine policies, which is really a great idea. Um, so if you go to a volleyball game, you can assume that it's been swept before you go? Yep. Absolutely. 
and there'll be a handler on site should something come out. You know, they see something suspicious, and then they'll handle it. If it turns out to be a device, they'll pick up the phone, they'll call the sheriff's office, and the bomb squad will go handle it because we have more tools to x-ray and get inside packages and stuff like that. But the dogs are critical. It's, it's a critical tool, you know. We have one dog assigned, at, my understanding, we have one dog at the sheriff's office that's assigned to the schools. It's a gun dog. You know, he searches lockers and, you know, does parking lots and, and whatnot. And again, all these dogs do demonstrations. We go to community events. Um, they're around people, that, you know. I wouldn't think one dog would be enough for the schools. Just that way it's going. I would think that you would need more than one. I'm, a, I'm of the mind that you shouldn't have fewer canine dogs. You should have more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? It, it comes down to cost, personnel, yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. but you know, if 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 we have a tip or you know something, we want to search one of the high schools. Well, I believe they they had the school resource, the, the bomb dog assigned to the school resource bureau, and then we have additional dogs, you know, and we can send them as as backup or to assist and knock it down so you know get it done quickly. So I have a question here about dogs you'll see in a vehicle in the heat. You'll see canine on it, and something always piques the interest of a pedestrian. What about that dog in there in that car? Why is that dog in that car with the windows rolled up? What's the deal there? We know it's air-conditioned, right? Yes. But also, don't you have a heavy-duty air conditioning system nope. to let that car run like that? No. Nope. No? Nope. Nope. It's a standard. I mean, all the police cars are pursuit vehicles, so they are heavy-duty you know, radiators, and, and you know, they have a few things that the ordinary person does not purchase. The cars are also equipped with an alarm system. If the temperature gets to a certain degrees, you know, I don't know, whether, let's just use 90 for an example, the windows automatically roll down, kicks on the lights, and starts blowing the siren. And, the, and there's some systems that send the uh, officer a text message saying, hey, you need to go check on your vehicle. Well, I do remember an instant now that we talked about it where a dog died in a car. Mm-hmm. It's happened several times. What, these systems didn't operate or how did that happen? To me, that's just... That One, just... I don't believe we had the system at the time uh -huh. because the department didn't want to spend the money. Um, I can't imagine having the dogs in the car and not spend the money to protect... Yeah, I always left my windows halfway down. Just... And, and I, would, I, would, I would tell the, the handlers, I said... You're putting a lot of faith. It's like a computer. You know, we got to reboot. You know, you're putting a lot of faith in electronics that everything's going to work right. The windows are going to go down. The lights are going to go. I mean, things things don't work. But um, I always recommend it. I don't care if it was 95 degrees, park in the shade, but keep your windows cracked. That way the dog is getting some kind of flow of air should AC stop. But that's just me. Well, I remember that incident. And some, some agencies have policies like that. I think Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office has a policy that the windows need to be halfway down. Well, not uh, too far down because, you know, my dog jumped out the doggone window. Well, there's a, <laughs> there's a cage there. They're not going to yeah, get okay, out. Yeah, maybe a cage, but, you know, he knows this story. He's one of my Rottweilers. Uh, it's a funny story. I mean, I had to wind it down even though the, my wife said, don't leave that window down. I left the window down, and I was at a stop sign and a uh, very busy part of the traffic, and all of a sudden the dog is gone, and he had to... he. He had to fall at least about five feet to land and didn't bother him. And he was chasing a squirrel. <laughs> and the moment I went down and got him, he came to his senses, you know. But he, he lost his mind when he saw the squirrel. But he actually flew out of the back window, not to, not the bed of the truck, but the, the back seat of the truck with the window down. And uh, it didn't even, didn't even phase him. He didn't think about anything but that squirrel. So... Uh, I've been concerned always, you know, about what do you do? You roll by, you see K9, um, the handler's not in there, and the windows are up, and of course they're dark windows, that helps, but uh, you got a dog in there, you got an animal, so. And I do remember an incident where we had a, we lost a dog that way. It's happened several times across the nation. Yeah. It happens, yeah. you know. So, anyway, we're going to have about 10 minutes left here. If you got a question, let me just check my chat line here and see what we got going on. Um, we are talking about this conversation that has been in the papers pretty heavily about um, the need to do away with these canine units because they're somehow too violent or um, unnecessary. Uh, 
You know, what I've heard generally this follows the theme of those who feel that the police should be demilitarized. Um, this is the refrain that's coming from, let's face it, progressive liberals. Uh, demilitarize the police, and by that, they don't want a helicopter. Which they've done with the city of Gainesville. They did away with the helicopter city. You're kidding me. They did away with the police helicopter city of Gainesville? Yeah, if you watch the, the, the meeting where they discussed the canine unit, where the activists were all there, and, and um, wonderful comments from a, a, a GPD. I think he's now a sergeant. His name is Joe Castro. Um, really hit it right on as far as the city commission even thinking about taking away the resource of the canine unit and the, the need they have for it um, in law enforcement. But um, I watched part of that meeting. I didn't get to watch the whole thing. And there's going to be another one um, coming up down the road. But, um, you know, you get these activists who are focused mainly on the Bradley situation who want to change and dictate policy for the police department. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see with this new commission which I think you've seen the, the, the latest meeting they had and, and, the, oh, boy. and uh, the, the, the shenanigans going on there. It's, it's going to be interesting um, to see how they proceed with this. And I hope Lonnie Scott, the chief, um, sticks to his guns and supports the unit and keeps things going the way it is. It's an unfortunate incident with Mr. Bradley, but Mr. Bradley made the decision to carry the gun He's a convicted felon, and he's the one who made the decision to run and hide in the woods. And he's the one who made the decision that the dog would come in. And unfortunately, the dog just happened to to uh, weather it now, that, which is debatable now. I don't, they don't know if the dog did it or the bushes or, or what. But, you know, unfortunate accident where he lost an eye. Well, it's um, what we're talking about now is the demilitarization theme of the progressives. And... Let's talk about, let's say they did do away with their canine unit. It's not going to do away with the need for a canine unit. Would they then, and by the way, you have to remember that a city commission runs the police department, whereas the sheriffs are charter officers. Constitutional Can you explain officer, the difference yeah. between that? I mean, the commission can tell the chief in the city. Correct. But the commissioners in the county can't tell the sheriff. Correct. That's correct. I mean, the sheriff's a chief law enforcement officer. You know, he has to deal with the commission for funding, which comes in three basic pots. You know, you get the capital outlay for equipment, you got salaries, and then you have expenses. Um, but other than that, once the sheriff is funded, you know, October 1 through September 30th, uh, he chooses how to run the, run the agency. And if people don't like it, that's why we have elections. So make sure you understand the difference there. If you're against the canine unit with the Lodge County Sheriff's Office, or any of the Sheriff's Office, I assume, in the state of Florida, since they're charter officers elected by you, the people, um, they don't have to answer to the county commission about whether or not somebody on the county commission has a grudge against uh, canine units. Uh, they're independent from that. And in the city, they're not. Um, the city commission dictates to the law enforcement world how they want law enforcement involved. I remember a conversation where Hutchison, while Darnell was the sheriff, uh, asked the sheriff, why don't you just quit uh, arresting people for marijuana? Do you remember that discussion? Mm -hmm. And the sheriff said, well, why don't you change the law? That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, you can't tell me to not enforce the law, you know? Right. If you don't right. like it, change the law. Right. But I don't think they understand that, you know? It's, it's, uh, the, the, the canine unit is, isn't it protected by statute in some way or another that I'm not familiar with? How does that work? Is that a decision by the sheriff? To have it, who decides to have a canine unit? Uh, the the administrative, whoever's the administrator of the department and the sheriff. It's obviously the sheriff for the cities like City of Gainesville. You know, it's Chief Scott. He's an integral part. Chief Jones, whatever he's doing, I don't know. He should have an integral part in it because um, he was you know with the agency for thirty plus years. But I think ultimately it comes down to the interim city manager and the city commission. If they decide not to fund it or they tell the chief, do away with it, then the you know, chief has to abide by their decisions. You know, you bring up a good point, having been a city manager for a while, the city manager would really be the one in charge of the police department. 
the policy for the city manager to follow would be set by the commission. Correct. So if the commission says we're going to pass this policy that we don't want a canine deal, uh, then those orders go to the city manager, and the city manager tells the chief we're not going to have a canine yeah. deal. Yeah. Because all of the staff functions at the behest of the city manager or the county manager, except for the charter officers. So and the setup we have in that relationship yeah. there. There's several charter officers missing right now because they can't fill the position. So, you know, anyhow, that's a separate show. Well, <laughs> it's a dysfunctional commission. Yeah. And uh, we've talked about it quite a bit here as where it went wrong probably was uh, adding two commissioners. Yeah. Uh, when we had five commissioners, I don't know if you're around here for that, but, but it was a much cleaner operation. Uh, and furthermore, they complicated the seven commission configuration of the city by having a mixed bag, some are uh, a large and some are districts, and mm -hmm. the mayor is elected. Right. So you can't get a more chaotic type of arrangement than what has been dreamt up for the city of Gainesville. Right. And so you throw in a couple quote-unquote progressive squeaky wheels, and you get a food fight like we got going on right now uh, between people who are really, in many ways, the opposite end of the continuum. Um, and thinking of the characters here. Uh, you know, there are a couple over each other's throats, and they're both females, evidently. Um, but it's, um, it's a discussion we thought we'd have and try to clear the air. First of all, um, I think to summarize, Whitney, uh, the canine unit is highly trained. Uh, the dogs are highly trained. The handlers are highly trained. Um, they undergo constant scrutiny and reevaluation and um, all those sorts of measures. There's also a PR element to this where uh, the handlers and the dogs must if uh, wisdom prevails, go out and interact with the community on a public relations basis and let people get to know uh, these animals and get to know that they're uh, um, only going to do what the non-compliant um, criminal causes them to do. Other than that, they'll play with your children in the backyard. Right? I mean, why would businesses here in Gainesville donate five, $6,000 to purchase a dog. Well, I think you brought up something most people don't know. Yeah. I don't think you've, we've ever heard that before. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you don't see it in the paper. Uh, you know, who pays for these dogs? Businesses pay for these dogs because they believe they're an important part of the community uh, policing effort to keep the place civilized. Exactly. Yeah. And, and without and, and, and getting the, the Gainesville Police Department is well-trained, They've got good officers. They got good dogs. As again, going back to the meeting, Don Sareth, he wrote the policy manual back in 19, I think he said 1976. And he'd been in the canine business for a long time at the Gainesville Police Department and evaluating dogs all throughout the state. And obviously the policy's been updated and changed, but they've got a great policy. And the men and women down there know what they're doing. And again, it's an unfortunate incident what happened to Bradley. There are women canine handlers, by the way? Yes. Yep. Yes. Good. Good. Well, we enjoy the show and talking. With, we've been talking about doing this for a long time, and we've had a pretty interesting discussion, hopefully, for you to post and share. Uh, you can watch this, of course, uh, on the Ward Scott Files. Repeat this in a little bit. We post it out to Rumble. where it's streaming right now. We're watching it. And, uh, of course, on all the Spotify's and the Apple Podcasts and the like. And um, it's a story that needs to be told. And... Uh, it needs to be, be somehow a calm, rational conversation needs to be take place. It does need to take place in a hysterical kind of emotional, politically driven context, which is all too much the case here. Um, so we ask you, the citizens who watch the show and share the show, to uh, use this um, as a kind of uh, information hour for you to understand a little bit about uh, how the cookie crumbles or how the, um, the, the meal is really made, if you will. And um, canine units are not going to go away. One way or another, there's going to be canine units. I'll take this away from this discussion. Absolutely. Absolutely. Somewhere, somehow, there are going to be canine units. And they're not going to I can to tell you away. right now, if Gainesville Police Department decides at the direction of the city commission to do over their unit, you just pick up the phone, call the sheriff. The sheriff will be there to help. <laughs> so there'll be, there will be a canine apprehension, I, you know, believe it or not. Even though the city commission might want to do away with it, there will be a canine apprehension. So... Really enjoyed talking with me, enjoyed the uh, production here, helping us out as usual. We're in the uh, Steve Spurrier Podcast Studio. If you wonder why we have the helmets back here, uh, the, there they are. You see a gator helmet right there in the middle. And uh, we hope you have a, a great day. Uh, we think we'll have Ted Yoho tomorrow. He's en route again to D.C., and he's going to try to patch in 
in the airport. So uh, he uh, very much is possibly going to be on the air with us, although maybe not right at the beginning. We'll keep you posted on that as we go live tomorrow. Have a great day. Award Hog Command Center out. Thank you.